Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Alrighty then. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. I got up a little earlier than I wanted to, but... Uh, oh. Yeah. Imagine that. You don't say. What does that mean? I feel like that's a common theme in the narrative of your life. Hmm. We went to a birthday party last night uh-huh. at a karaoke bar mm-hmm. in Koreatown. As one does. And you said, excuse me, you sang two songs. I did. I, I was geared to sing more, but we had to leave, which is probably okay. Uh, what did you sing? I sang Zombie by the Cranberries, and I sang Strokin' by Clarence Carter. So those were good selections. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I was unexpected for the crowd. Well, I don't know who knows Strokin' by Clarence Carter. Well, I do, but... In, the, in that crowd. Um, but no, it's funny when I did Zombie, because I go in on that song, mm-hmm. and some um, young woman came up, she's like, can I sing it with you? Who I've never met before. I'm like, sure, grab a mic. And I don't know if anyone heard her. Yeah, you're pretty loud. Uh, This past Friday was Sigourney Weaver's birthday. Uh, No, Saturday, yesterday, the 8th of October. It's the 8th? Yeah, it's the 8th. I thought it was the 7th. No, no. Oh, so it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Okay, sorry. Um, But yes, the lovely uh, icon turned 73. And there's still more James Cameron avatars to film. Uh. You are part of the AFFF jury. What yes. does that stand for? The American French Film Festival. <laughs> That's uh, a terrible acronym. It is, and they changed their name. They're they're known as Colcoa, which stood for City of Light, City of Angels, which is a French uh, film festival that used to happen in April, right before Cannes. Um, I like Colcoa better. I, I like Colcoa better. I also like it how the uh, director of it would always pronounce it. Like it's a word unto itself. And then uh, they just changed their name, I be- I think this year. And they moved to September a couple years ago. Or excuse me, what month is it? October. I, I believe it starts next week. I have uh, many films to watch, which is why we don't have any films to watch for fun in this selection because I've been mowing through uh, French screeners. Mm. Yeah, we don't have any films for fun. Uh, so... I don't want to talk about politics. I don't even want to talk about Kanye West. But, oh. I did, but I did watch the Kanye West interview with Tucker Carlson. You watched that? Oh, my God. When I tell you, I'm more confused after watching it than before. But primarily, I wanted answers to, like, the White Lives Matter shirt. Mm-hmm. Because... Because I sent you that screenshot. Well, and, and, and because, you know, it's possible he could have said something that would have helped me better understand what his position was, and, and, and it could have made sense. I'm not automatically mad. Although he was standing next to Candace Owens wearing the same shirt, so that's a problem. But... Mm-hmm. Is that the one with um, the, um, the fetus? Wasn't he wearing a shirt with a, He has a... Yeah, sure. An ultrasound. Okay, so in the interview, he... Tucker Carlson, who's just so gross to me, but... Yep. Again, not going to get all into it, except that he's asking him all these questions about the ultrasound shirt, about the White Lives Matter shirt, about why do you like Trump, all these things, abortion, and 
And when I tell you none of what Kanye says makes any sense, if, if, if you ask me like, oh, you watched his interview and he answered how he feels about abortion, don't quite, well, that's not true. The abortion one, he was more clear that he's pro-life, but then he also goes on about how more black children in New York are killed from abortion, like more murdered by abortion than are born. I don't know if these stats are true and... So he is more clear on that. But then things like, why did you wear the White Lives Matter shirt? Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. He's just rambling on. Why do you like Trump? Rambles on. He says something to the effect of like, you know, like how people said Trump was the first black president. Well, I'm going to be the first uh, Hispanic president. Because like he's just saying crazy shit that doesn't make any sense. I think, I think either Kanye West is, I don't think he's a genius. I think... Just because someone has made a lot of money or had success. And I don't know if maybe people aren't accustomed. I spent a lot of time around a lot of very rich people mm-hmm. who made their money doing like regular things. Mm-hmm. Like owning a bunch of strip clubs or Taco Bells or, you know, the world's largest swap meet or something. I think people's impression of like people with a lot of money is that they're brilliant. And it's no, it's like you started a... You know, a, a Cuban sandwich restaurant and bakery, and then it just exploded. And you have people who help you set it up, and then it's a machine done to its own. And like the person who started it didn't necessarily. You're, you're benefiting from the fruits of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. So I, so I think like it's really easy for some people to think like Kanye West is a genius, and I just don't see it. I think he's either. What I got from the interview is either he has like some sort of God complex, like he really thinks he is like above everyone and like he, he can't even construct a complete thought in a complete sentence. It's just like random shit being spit out. And he's in this bubble because he's super popular, very successful as a musician, very highly paid as a designer for some reason. Then he was in a very high profile relationship. So I think you know, being under that magnifying glass would make someone feel bigger than maybe, you know, what their abilities are, like their intellectual abilities. For oh, sure. for sure. Yeah. It's I like mean, Madonna as well. I think you can. <laughs> I really like Madonna. Um, I do too. But, but, but I do think sometimes like, but, but this goes for many celebrities yeah. who choose to talk more than they should is mm-hmm. like, you know, you're. Your level of success is not like d- does not directly correlate with like your. You're not Stephen Hawking. Your yeah, intellect, yeah, yeah. But then here I am just running my mouth. But whatever. Like, <laughs> I also don't think that anyone should listen to me. But well, yeah, you know, also tending not to talk about things that I'm really ignorant about, or that I right, need, or and I need to know more about before I you know speak about publicly. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the difference. But getting back to what I think, I think Kanye West is either mentally ill yeah and he's like wasn't that what kim kardashian always that was the narrative built or he does say some things that i think he's very much aligned with donald trump and like fake news and 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 i see that like i mean I, i think anyone who tries to seek out the truth should be able to recognize that a lot of what we're presented by the quote unquote media which is really, to me, more of like an algorithm, and we should really be blaming these uh, search engines and these uh, mm-hmm. um, and these web browsers. But anyway, um, 
I feel like he's very familiar with that because of his celebrity. And I think he's parlaying that into like he knows some secret and that he's using that secret to manipulate the system. So I get the sense that he seems angry about the lies that have been told about him. So he thinks because he's a genius that he's going to do make these really like controversial statements and um, present himself in a controversial way. And somehow that's going to flip the script like he's going to crack the matrix or something. I mean, I don't know what he thinks he's doing, but it's really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And it's dismissive to call someone like him crazy because... Well, crazy is always dismissive. It's, it's always dismissive. But in his case, it's like he... You know who he reminds me of? Like when you go to like the barbershop and there's always that one dude just talking shit and like... I, conspiracy theorists. Well, that, but also like he has business ideas and he does this. Mm -hmm. The last time I was at the barbershop... Hustlers, yeah. This man was trying to convince me that he has started this thing. It was just like crazy talk. Mm -hmm. While you'll beat up Toyotas in the parking lot. Like, it just doesn't make any sense what you're saying. But then Kanye West is a billionaire. So imagine if that person at the barbershop really did have all this money. Then it's like you can't really stop them. Because they, in their minds, they have the proof. Like, look, I have all this money and everyone knows me. I must know what I'm doing. I think it's really scary watching mm -hmm. him. And, and the interview is long as hell. And it's, I, from what I understand, it's just part one. Like, and impossible to deal with. Yeah. But again, the, you know, of course they would, um, you know, take advantage of that. Mr. Carlson. And the way Tucker Carlson's talking to him is like, he's the butt of a joke. But then the way Kanye's talking to him is like, oh, I know that you think I'm the joke, but I'm. And it's like, I don't see it. I don't know. You're just being used as ammunition, probably, which he even addresses. Like, I know people think I'm just giving ammunition, too. And it's like, I'm not making it political. I'm just saying that you just seem really ignorant and it's dangerous because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who do look up to him regardless of the crazy shit he says and does because mm -hmm. they like his music. So it's like, well, you seem reckless. Well, and it's, it, again, it's just, it's embarrassing. And how are you helping? Like, I mean... This is why I'm ignorant. I don't know. Maybe he does give a lot. Like, maybe he is really philanthropic. I don't know. But it just seems like whatever he is doing to help humanity is overshadowed by his craziness. And I just don't know how integrous that is. Like, how are you helping people? How are you a role model? It's, it's not helping when you're funneling attention and, and giving it to all the wrong people, like a Tucker Carlson and... And to be so passionate, it's like I'm very passionate about some things, but I'm not articulate enough to like present it to the world. So if I had the resources, I would find people who can articulate my thoughts and help me spread that message. And I feel like he help me help you. Yeah, it's like he doesn't. He's just out here acting real loose. And anyway, that's a lot about Kanye. it's unfortunate. Yeah, I said I didn't want to talk about bros anymore, but oh. Well, because I saw some TikToks from this um, young Latino man from Florida talking about bros and what it means to him. And I felt like, and how he it, it bothered him for reasons, he was much more articulate than I was talking about bros in our review. But I think since bros has bombed and Billy Eichner's out here talking all crazy. Like a brat. Like, yeah. a, like being a brat and having a tantrum about it. I feel like he's also giving ammunition because now, because he's so angry, I've been reading these like headlines about how more conservative people are saying that like bros is touting like straight bashing and then child grooming because of that scene with Guillermo Diaz and his wife. 
Oh. And how the kid and they're and they're talking about gay sex and the mm-hmm. kids are dancing to mm-hmm. like being a bottom. And it's like great. So now you brought all this like attention to something that people are gonna spin into something negative. But then really they would do that regardless though. Sure, yeah. but it's just like you just look like such a clown. But then I was reading that there was a scene that was cut from the film where between the two leads, um, they're perform there 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 was an ass eating scene. Mm-hmm. And they of course didn't want to do it like in reality so they like paid thirty thousand dollars for this butt rig like this fake thing which i thought was funny because yeah i just like i wouldn't there are certainly movies where people actually have sex yeah of course you and especially I, in europe and i don't expect these two have, to have actually had sex but i just think it's funny that now that it's bombed like all these stupid little factoids are popping out like <laughs> That scene might have made the movie be a bigger hit. I don't know. <laughs> I think a big, making Billy Eichner not the star of it would have made it a bigger hit. But, uh, you know, he wanted his cake. He wanted to have his cake and eat it, too, because he was bitching about not wanting straight people to see it. Then blaming straight people for not showing up. I mean, you know, it's also not the way that you win more. You get, you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar, right? It's also basic marketing. Like, uh, the poster itself and like this movie should have been marketed as the adult comedy of the summer. The raunchiest thing you've seen. Don't make it about gay. Why like what it... they did with Trainwreck. Yeah. Why, why, why did the other thing with marketing and I don't know about, you know, I work with hair care, so I don't know about, you know, film, but it's like, who, who is the biggest draw in the film? Billy Eichner whatever that draw is. And then who is his audience? If it's like women of a particular age who live in a particular region of the country, it's like, okay, so then these women are not going to go to the theater with like their straight boyfriends or husbands to watch this gay shit. Not to say that if they saw it, they wouldn't enjoy it, but you're you're not going to get some dudes like middle America to walk into a movie screening or a a, a movie theater with a big poster of two guys grabbing each other's butts. Mm -hmm. Like that's just not going to happen. Well, and even, and it didn't. And even that, you know, the title is off putting to to, uh, his fellow queer audience members. I think if nothing else had changed about the, like keep the film the same and just change the marketing. I think it would have done better. Yeah. I think he just, it, I, I don't like this word either, but uh, you know this this film does feel fake woke, as we alluded to in our review. You have all these trans and people of color the, in the periphery just to pop up to say that they have a seat at this table that is eclipsed by everyone else. Or, well, like you say, Ava DuVernay Eichner. says about diversity being medicine. It does feel like they, like this film felt like it was forced. It was vaccinated for diversity. Yeah. yeah, and it's just a performance of diversity, but it does not seem authentic. It is allyship performance at its finest, I think. And for every queer or trans person of color who saw it and commented that they agreed that it just felt very like... But which would... It, <laughs> you would have had so many more interesting subtexts and avenues to explore within the queer and trans community if... You hadn't picked a, a co. Your the other person wasn't also cis and white. Oh, like, I, there's so many like stories to tell in our community. Well, and I know what I wanted to say because all the neg- most of the negative comments we received were towards me and like saying that I'm tired of white gay men and that I'm like I'm racist. And yes, well, the, can, the way I phrased it, you you can't interpret that that way, and that's not my intention, so I shouldn't have said it that way. But 
I don't have a problem with white people. Well, I hope Because not. some of my best friends are white. No. <laughs> well, you're married to one, so... No. I have a problem with whiteness and, like, yeah. this, like, sense of... Uh, I could just go on and you, on. Yes. But it's just, like, in this country, this notion of, like, white is right and, like, baseline normal is, like, white shit. And that shit is getting old because, you know, I haven't looked at the latest census numbers, but I'm assuming that white people don't make up the biggest... Por- or their portion of the pie is getting smaller and smaller when we think about all other demographics, like racial and ethnic groups. So it's like... Well, now, and then that sparks uh, discussions about white erasure. So then it's just like, I'm not saying that a movie can't be made about two white guys in a romantic comedy. Of course comedy. not. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that just as someone who watches a lot of films and talk about them, I feel like the main character and the actor playing him were just annoying and not that funny to me aside from that the diversity that was included felt like required yes it's 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 doing that thing that that a lot of you know especially white gay men do where it's like if i call out what i'm doing it's it's okay for me to still be inappropriate and do it much like the opening scene in triangle of sadness with that uh gay man interviewing the the male models it's like oh i am uh you know touching inappropriately but if i talk about it ahead of time before i do it it's fine to do (laughs) sure but anyway yeah i i i just think this idea of like whiteness in america and that being the norm and like people getting upset that like someone like me is saying like I, i guess i'm just tired of seeing this as being like why is because again, the way the film was marketed and the way he, that it was talked about, like somehow Billy Eichner is like the voice of a generation. Oh yeah, they totally shot themselves in the foot. Now this studio is going forward with, uh, you know, gay rom com or anything gay. Now there's gonna there's gonna be come with a, a warning or we can't give it this amount of money because this film bombed. I think there was a dangerous marketing campaign for that. And that I, isn't he a comedian? Like they, the, they should have done the, that after the fact. Like, oh, this was a, a studio rom-com about two gay men and it's a box office bonanza. Don't count your chickens before you hatch. Yeah, this is just a lesson learned, I hope. Moving on, I was reading that Alec Baldwin, um, the... They settled. They, yeah, there's some sort of agreement and filming for the uh, picture Rusk, which is the one... Rust? Rust or Rusk? That was Rust. Why am I thinking Rusk? I know that's a hair care line. Maybe that's what they get. Oh, I don't know. Rust. Um, is going to resume with all the same people. Really? Yeah. And Alec? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I think I would just want to... Well, well if, they, they probably have a lot shot already then. Well, and if I were an investor in this movie, I'd be very excited about it because you know no when this movie in- comes out, it'll get... Scene. Yes, no pun intended on that, by the way. Wait, what did you just said? A lot was probably shot already. Oh, but sorry, I that was not a lot I, was shot. Yeah, um, that that's just tragic. I don't because know. without the incident happening, no one was checking for this movie. No, God, no, literally, no one would have seen this movie. And now, for sure, we're gonna want to watch the movie. So, just from a business perspective, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would all want to get back on <clears> the horse. But of course, they're saying in honor of the woman who was killed, yeah. they want to finish it. But it's going to be cursed. Like people oh. are, it, it is. People, you know, all these critics. Nobody's going to dare to praise it. And oh, really? I, I mean, if it's good, I'll give it its due. But I, people aren't going to come out. Uh, oh, I think they'd want to honor like the work of the cinematographer, and maybe. I bet they will. But I bet they'll trash everything else about it. 
Sure, maybe. But, but you know, people are weird. We can bet but... money on it, but... Um, do you remember the show The Surreal Life? On It was like a reality show with uh, celebrities, and it hasn't been on the air in like, oh my God, maybe like 15 years. Oh, I... Uh... But there's a new cast. Oh. Um, I'm going to tell you the cast, and, and, then, and then... Oh, what you might know The Surreal Life for is because uh, one season, there were only like maybe three or four seasons, I can't recall, but... Uh, Flavor Flav and Brigitte Nielsen were on a season. Okay. And on that season, they kind of fell in love. Oh, God. Oh, and, yes. And okay. So, and so that spawned sort of a reality show. Well, that's, that was a resurgence for Brigitte, I think. And, I then, that, yeah. and, and then that spawned Flavor of Love. Okay, yes, yes. And then, I, of course, I, from that, we got Tiffany Paul. We got the spit, yeah. I remember Flavor of Love, yeah. Yeah. Is that where Paul Mooney was talking about how some white woman will love a... a, a Black water buffalo. buffalo. Black buffalo. I don't remember. But anyway, the cast uh, for this season is August Alsina. Mm. You know him. I do. Yeah. Um, Jada Pinkett and Will Smith, the affair she had. <gasps> the Entanglement. The Entanglement oh, was with August Alsina. We're about to have another Entanglement. There is a um, WWE female like per- personality named CJ Perry. I don't know who that is. Mm-mm. Dennis Rodman. Oh, boy. Frankie Muniz. Oh, from... Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Isn't he a Republican or some shit? Oh, I don't know. I know he drives, like, race cars or something. Okay. Uh, Kim Coles, who you know from yes. Living Single. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, like, YouTube makeup celebrity named Manny MUA, which stands for Makeup Artist. Um, mm. Stormy Daniels. Stormy. Good old Stormy. Does she still have the key to West Hollywood? <laughs> and then... Uh, the final one is Tamar Braxton. Of course. <laughs> We're still not done with... Uh, well, she's a reality TV uh, expert. Because she did, what, seven seasons of Braxton Family Values. Yeah, where she got seasons, to teach her... Where she got her treat her sisters all raggedy, yeah. Five seasons of Tamar and Vince. And then she's she was like on Celebrity Big Brother. And so... So, just what... She's like the Juju Bee. She makes for good reality TV, I guess. I don't care for her. I like her voice more than... Yeah, Anything although the, what that her last album was that the saddest bluebird or whatever. the saddest blueberry on the tree fall. <laughs> they had like a really weird name. That's it, a reference to something specific, but I don't. Yeah. I yeah. Okay, you wanted to talk about your uh, favorite films uh, releases from September, best uh, of September. Oh yes. What's you, number five? Uh, number five, I got a uh, smile. 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 With Sosie oh, Bacon. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, which, uh, sure, not a perfect film, but definitely, uh, if you haven't caught Smile yet, which opened at the la- on the last day of the month, of course. Um, Number four? The Woman King by Gina Prince-Bythewood, starring uh, Viola Davis and Lashana Lynch, amongst many other uh, very talented performers. Oh, John Boyega. Uh, Number three? Blonde, directed by Andrew Dominic. Okay. I didn't care for that movie as much as you did. I did really like it. Number on Netflix. two, Barbarian. Uh, I didn't see this, but I know what the story is about, and I would watch it. Yeah, you need to. Is see it, it streaming? I don't know. Oh, and your number one pick for September is The Good House, starring Sigourney Weaver. We did receive a question. Um, someone who really likes the show AJ and the Queen wanted to know if we've seen it and what are our thoughts. Well, Ruby is not. So I'm glad. So I'm glad they said they really liked it because I don't want to trash it now. (laughs) Oh boy, Ruby is not red hot. Let me tell you that. Well, what 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 are my overall thoughts? It is really really cool 
seeing RuPaul like in drag. I agree. And um, the amount of effort it probably took to get him in drag and to be on this high def situation was really impressive. I like that we get to see some of the crunchier bits, like when Ru takes off his wig and you see the tapes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and just overall, Ru and drag looks amazing. I think uh, the story... The story, I don't like precocious children. Uh, okay, I have to be honest. The little girl, I found grating. Yes. Uh, it, 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 and it also felt like it was written and created by somebody that maybe is... That somebody younger, I think, needed to have the reins on this. And somebody that wasn't also afraid to direct RuPaul. Okay, what I like about the film is that it does feel like an old queen wrote it and directed it because there are a lot of references to there are a lot of references like, but sure, the problem but is everything outside of that felt tired feels very tired it feels very yeah it just feels very lame uh and then you know unfortunately continuing with drag queens not being the best actors maybe yeah all those rue girls it's just it's real crunchy it's raggedy <laughs> it's fun to see them because we like them right like we watch we've watched every episode of at least U.S. Drag Race. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's super fun to see them. But, you know, they don't act very well. Then the relationship between Rue's character and the the the, the handsome guy who's conning him mm -hmm. is kind of laughing. And Tia Carrere, who I am a big fan of, I thought was, you know, a little bit underutilized. But it's, you know, you know, remember watching Alyssa Edwards and how she just couldn't do anything scripted on Drag Race? That's what that's kind of the problem I think almost all of the the Rue girls have is they're best when they're just being themselves and any time that they have to be directed or to to do something scripted they seem real and authentic. You know, I'm I'm I don't I'm not saying that drag queens can't act. I'm not saying that either, but right. I, so, I, so I don't I, want to make it seem I I just think in AJ and the Queen the acting Left it's, a it's, lot to be desired. It's odd because I think we expect them to act on their persona instead of actually playing a written character, I think is also the problem. So I think that's a tough thing. It's an impossible thing to accomplish. So that's why they always seem... Yeah, that, I, I I would agree with that. But overall, I thought the series was... It was really fun seeing Rue and Drag. Um, yes. Oh, probably my favorite part of the... Um, series is Rue's like blind roommate yes he's the best part actually. I actually thought that he was the and best he's not part. blind and he's not blind okay uh sorry to this man in one of the reviews you referred to I in blonde I uh, called the, the film blonde Toby Huss I called Dennis O'Hare but you know those two white men look very similar oh um but yeah I do know the difference um sorry to Toby Huss <laughs> in my written review I I had him right but you know. Films we were uh, films that were released we didn't review. Mm -hmm. Something called Lyle Lyle Crocodile with that little white angel Sean Mendes voicing Lyle Lyle. Oh, uh, it's a cartoon. Yeah, with live act Javier Bardem is also in it. Oh, um, we didn't review that. Directed by Josh Gordon and Will Speck. Out October seventh. Catherine called Birdie. Lena Dunham's new movie has made it to Amazon streaming. If anyone's interested, have not watched that. Last Flight Home. Uh, documentarian Andy Timoner, who directed uh, the 2018 doc on Maplethorpe, uh, <clears throat> did, had a very home, very intimate home video documentary about a grandfather who established this airline in the early 80s and it's the last 15 days of his life. came out Sundance 2022. I've not seen it. I heard it's good. Piggy. <clears throat> by, directed by Carlota Pereira, a Spanish 
I guess you'd call it a psychological thriller. Thriller, uh, which we watched out of Sundance last year. We did not. I watched it. it. I, I don't recall much of it. It wasn't super memorable to me. No, but it's okay. Pretty problems. Uh, Kestrin Pantera has a new film that came out. It's a, it looked like a slapstick comedy, but that's all I know about it. Project Wolf Hunting. A uh, South Korean thriller that if we had had time, I probably would have suggested to you. Directed by Kim Hong Sun. That came out. The Visitor. A Blumhouse film directed by Justin P. Lang that also looked decent enough to watch. Okay, we didn't watch any movies for fun this week. Uh there's a lot going on okay uh -huh. projects of interest i mentioned this film before but i finally saw the trailer for falling for christmas it's that Lindsay lohan holiday movie for netflix oh boy okay i have to say the the, the premise is ridiculous but it did look cute and she looks good for her like she looks happy and healthy mm -hmm. um and i would definitely watch it but the premise is she plays like a Paris Hilton type person. Like she's the heiress to a hotel magnate. And she's living the life like in Aspen. Like, like we see her, it looks like she's in Aspen and her like rich boyfriend proposes to her on like the top of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And she falls down the mountain and hits her head. So she forgets who she is. Oh boy. So it's like while you were sleeping meets that... The other side of the mountain. <laughs> so then like some yokels take her in, one of whom is like this super handsome guy. And then it would appear that they fall in love and he brings her down to earth. The part that seems ridiculous. Or overboard, me, actually. Well, the, the part that's over. ridiculous is she's made to seem like a Paris Hilton. So how does no one recognize her? Because in the trailer, it seems like they don't know what to do with her because she... Because she can't say her name. Oh, because we don't have TV here. But if she's like Paris Hilton, wouldn't everyone know like that's... Her, like, let's just call her dad. That sounds like then a, we see in the trailer that the dad's looking for her. He can't find her. That sounds like, a, you know, they need to reconfigure that plot to be a horror thriller. Be like, we know who she is and we're going to do insidious things with her. Yeah, that would actually be interesting. Okay, something Jennifer Lawrence and Lynn Ramsey. Oh, Jennifer Lawrence has dropped uh, doing press for her latest film that she is uh, developing a project with Lynn Ramsey, which is very exciting. Uh, Lynn Ramsey... Uh, well, Ratcatcher and Morver and Collar are excellent, but then she did uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin with Tilda, and uh, you, weren't, you Were Never Really Here with Joaquin Phoenix, which I, uh, is also a film I really like. Uh, Liliana Cavani, The Order of Time. The, oh. Liliana Cavani, who is an uh, excellent uh, Italian auteur. She's probably best known for the Charlotte Rampling starer, the Night Porter, uh, but I also love her first film, You're the Cannibals, from the late 60s. Uh, she did a really uh, excellent film with Mar Marcello Mastrani called The Skin, uh, which is based on a really good book, too. Uh, she hasn't done a film in over 20 years, the last one being Ripley's Game, starring John Malkovich as Patricia Highsmith's Ripley. Uh, and she is uh, currently at work, finally, on an adaptation of uh, The Order of Time, which is by the Italian physicist Carlo Rovelli, uh, which I'm very, very interested in. Andrew Stanton? Andrew Stanton, uh, you know, is the director of John Carter and Wally. -E. Uh, he is at work on his first live-action film since John Carter, because if you remember, that was a huge flop um, based on the Edgar Rice Burroughs. Uh, it's a blacklist script called In the Blink of an Eye. 
And John Waters. John Waters is making a new movie, uh, which is very exciting. Even though I didn't love the book, I, I could see it being a more interesting film uh, that he wrote it's called Liar Mouth, published this year. Uh, he has received uh, funds to make the first film since 2004 is a dirty shame. So I cannot wait to hear who's going to be cast in this. Uh, the whole time reading the, the book, all I could picture was Parker Posey, so I guess that's wishful thinking. Um, and that character, Marsha P. Sprinkle, also has a daughter and a mother. Uh, so I can only imagine the list, the, the kind of possibilities. And, you know, Parker was supposed to be uh, in a film, he was going to direct a Christmas comedy with Johnny Knoxville called Fruitcake in like 2007 that all fell apart but oh uh so yeah in in my head i i want him to have worked with parker posey oh okay unfortunately there are entries in the obituary section judy tenuta has passed yes for those my knowledge of her is that she was like a comedian mm-hmm. mainly george like george carlin yeah well she opened for him for quite some time on tour but I remember her thing was that she is like a goddess and men are slaves. And so often I would see her on like talk shows and she would come out and she was a beautiful lady and she had an accordion mm-hmm. and kind of a weird voice. And she would do like silly songs, basically <clears throat> women are goddesses, men are slaves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she passed away from ovarian cancer. And I was reading that her, I believe it's her manager... It, she had purposefully like lied about her age, mm-hmm. um, and then the manager gave a statement saying that now that she's dead, we can be honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> so she had sort of said that she was, you know, significantly younger than she actually oh. was. But um, yeah, do, do are you familiar with her? Yeah, the but very peripherally. And the and uh, Loretta Lynn, Loretta Lynn has Loretta, passed. Yes, Loretta Lynn. Wasn't she ninety? I'm not sure. I th- she was up there. She was up there. Um, which I was going to put on before you came down to record this. Um, I one of the only Best Actress award winners I've never seen is Sissy Spacek in The Coal Miner's Daughter. So I need to catch up with that this week. I have seen that movie. Um, Loretta Lynn was a singer too. She was a singer. Does she have a song I would know? In the Coal Miner's Daughter song. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I think as a kid I always had her confused with Tammy Wynette. Uh, when, when I would hear her. Yeah. Uh, isn't Fist City? Fist City? Isn't Fist City? Loretta oh, where she's talking about beating up some lady who's... Yes. <laughs> is that Loretta Lynn? Yeah, that is Loretta Lynn. Yeah, okay, so that's probably my go-to if I had to for her. Okay, well... And uh, don't you remember they parodied that on SNL with Jennifer Aniston, where she's like, I guess I need another A, B, O, R, T, I, O, N. No. Oh my God. That was a good bit. Okay, The Secret Film. So we have so many recommendations, but then I thought for October, everything should be horror. Yeah, so people that... Uh, keep so so I, so the ha- people, Have patience. Yeah, the people who keep recommending films, please keep reminding me because, you know, I don't write shit down and I do forget. <laughs> there is one that I know I'll choose in November mm-hmm. that someone has recommended several times. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, I will gladly... Don't bother recommending films to Nick because he won't choose whatever. No, I will. I might. You don't know that. He won't. You Nick, don't know that. No. You, you No, No, you don't know that. Don't bother. You don't know that. 
Nick won't do it. Um, you don't know me. You don't know me like that. No. Oh, I know you well enough to know that you want to. If you have a choice, you're going to make your own choice. Well, it's depending what's going on in life right now. Like why I had to pick Greece because of living you and John. I had no desire to watch Greece, but based on life events going you on, you didn't. I said we should watch Greece. No, I chose that week. It was your choice, but I could have chosen something else. Yes, you could have. But and I, I said we should probably choose the film people know. Mm. Okay, this this isn't helping your argument. It's in, in, instead it is evidence. I'm not trying to, to make show an that, argument. Uh, that I'm, I'm trying to give a, 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 a PSA to the people out there. If you would have a better chance getting your selection chosen if you ask me and not Nick. <laughs> That's what the point I'm trying to make. Would, would you not agree? I don't agree with that. You think that it would be easier for someone to convince you to choose a movie over me. It depends on what it is, but no, absolutely not. No, don't I? He, you no, Joseph. You don't know. There. How many films have we watched as a secret film where films someone suggested to you? One, maybe one. But one. But I also have like a huge list of things on the back burner. That's why I'm saying that you would not choose a film someone suggested because you have a huge catalog of films that you want to try to get me to watch or that you think people need to hear about. You know, so like, there's no way you you're going to take just, someone's Just like in life, it never hurts to ask. You don't know how far you'll get unless you try. That's true. So there you go. Right. That applies to me. I'm not an uh, evil institution. But, but I'm saying for sure if someone wants... To, You'll have better chances with me if you ask me to choose the <laughs> because I never, I never have a thought until you ask me like, "What are we watching today?" and then I have to scramble to think. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that I have a thought. So actually, if the best chance to get your movie watched is with me, and like at, tell me on like a Thursday or Friday morning. <laughs> I feel like you're being good cop, bad cop, like good parent, bad parent. But okay, uh, but so. So I'm not ignoring people as much as I probably forget. And then also I wanted like horror related. But, but also I remember the selections and there are a few that people have suggested that I still are, are in my queue of selections. Okay. Okay. So why don't you try both of us? Sure. But, mm -hmm. but you know that the results will prove like people could see which movies we watched and they'll know that you never chose <laughs> the selection. Well, then they if they as Nick is like an ostrich. He thinks if he just I do not <laughs> that think that no I'm one else can see what he's up to. Oh no, I don't think that. <laughs> the movie I chose mm. because, and the movie I chose was based on six films Nick gave me to choose from because you, I asked him, uh -huh. uh, "What is Flatliners? The nineteen ninety like psychological horror film." Directed by Joel Schumacher, who, is that the gay man? Yeah, he's gay. He's the one that created nipples on Batman. I don't think I realized that's who directed this movie. Mm. Anyway, it has a pretty big cast. Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, William Baldwin, Kevin Bacon. I wish Oliver Platt weren't in it, but, but he's he there too. Hope Davis and Beth Grant have small parts. So I had never seen this. And you know what's funny is after watching it, I'm like, oh, someone should remake this. But then you said the remake's not good. I haven't <laughs> seen it. There was a remake in 2017 oh. in which um, uh, Kiefer returned as a doctor and uh, Elliot Page, I think, was the biggest star in it. 
Oh, Diego Luna's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Diego James Luna. Norton's in it. I've never seen it. Who's Nina Dobrev? Oh, you've seen her. She she plays a mean Russian. You saw her in uh, Being the Ricardos. Anyway, that's not the movie we're talking about. We're talking right? about the 1990 Wait, I, film. Who is Nina Dobrev? I'm... The basic story is there is a group of med students, one of whom, Kiefer Sutherland, is really interested in inducing like death so that he can sort of like walk towards the white light and then be resuscitated so he can tell everyone what he saw. Because he believes like that could be very valuable information if we can confirm that there's life after death. But of course he needs assistance because he can't resuscitate himself on his own. So he gets the help of four other med students who are the other big names we mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's successful. He goes under, he sees like, you know, his life flashes before him. But of course, weird things start happening. Like maybe he's opened a portal to something. So everyone does it except Oliver Platt's character. Mm -hmm. And what we find out is they're all sort of being haunted by something very specific from their past. And we can get into it because none of it makes sense to me as no. far as like what, what is like what's being chosen to haunt them. Mm -hmm. But ultimately it's Kevin Bacon's character who's being haunted by this little black girl who when he was her age in school, he used to like torment her. Like as a bully, mm -hmm. which I think is funny because, of course, if this movie's set in 1990 and he would have been a kid like in the 70s, um, you know, the assumption would be like maybe it was like a racial thing. But then when we get the flashbacks or the or the visions of the bullying, there's also another little black girl bullying the black girl. Yes. <laughs> so then they make it seem like they were just calling her ugly. But Kevin Bacon's character discovers that. He, and there's nothing ugly about this girl either. So no. It's so like, okay. But he sort of gets in his head that he needs to atone for this behavior. So he finds this now adult woman to apologize to her. And then the visions go away. Mm -hmm. So then everyone else needs to reconcile these things. And Kiefer Sutherland's character is the one who has it the worst. Because we find out when he was a kid, he was bullying some kid who ended up like dying as a result. Because mm -hmm. like he fell from something where they were throwing things at him. So Kiefer's character as a kid killed some boy he was bullying. So Kiefer, at the very end, figures out that he needs to die again so he can visit this boy to tell him he's sorry, mm -hmm. and then everything's fine. And then Julia Roberts' character, she's being haunted by her dead dad, So, but it's like the grief of his dying or the mm -hmm. guilt, so then... I don't understand how that got reconciled except we see her hug his like ghost. Mm -hmm. And then um, William Baldwin, he's being haunted by all of the women who he recorded having sex with unbeknownst to them. Mm -hmm. Which he would do as a character several years later in Sliver. In Sliver. Um, I thought the, the bones of the story were interesting, but... The character development is so thin. Oh, it's bad. That it's just like, I don't care. And then, because there's no rhyme or reason to what's haunting them. <clears throat> yeah. Because two of them are being haunted by things that, like, people who they were bullying. Mm -hmm. And then Julia Roberts being haunted by this guilt of her dad dying because the mom had told her, like, your dad, it's because of you. Like, you're ruining our marriage and that's why he killed himself. And then for William Baldwin, he's doing something bad to a bunch of women. 
but I don't understand how he... And, and then you have these med students who are, I guess, in residency that look like they're doing everything in an old church. So then it feels, oh like, God. It feels like Clive Barker's General Hospital. Well, we can get into that, but I, we, we have a few minutes, so I'm just going to go through my notes. Mm. Yeah, my first note is, are they at the Vatican? Like, yeah. where is this medical school? It looks like they're in cathedrals, and it's not just like... Where they do the experiments. But like you mentioned, I'm very confused if they're... Because they're calling each other doctor, mm -hmm. which I would assume means that they've graduated medical school, which mm -hmm. means that they're residents. It says they're at the University Hospital School of Medicine. But then they're not seeing patients, but then they're also like in lecture because we, we they have one teacher who's like an asshole. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like they're in like some sort of like physiology lab or anatomy lab. So I'm very confused if we're dealing with residents or med students just like in school because if they're just still in school they're doing a lot mm -hmm. and whoever wrote it i feel like it was they probably consulted like a physician but it's not written like i don't know these characters are talking to, to me like they wouldn't be in school like like they seem like seasoned yes medical and, and doctors the, the way that they the, the conquest they want to make do not sound like people in residency uh, it was written by peter filardi who wrote the screenplay for the craft then they oh gosh okay so i thought of all of them i find them all distracting mm -hmm. i think maybe i mean i didn't think any of them fit the role they don't and the only one of them i actually like as an actor is kevin bacon yeah but then kevin bacon's character seems like he's like a cowboy i mean i don't know he just none of them fit the role no and what julia roberts looks like she's pretending to be a doctor yeah oliver platt is just annoying william baldwin is very handsome uh i can't stand him and he i think i figured out why i don't like timothy chalamet and it's because he looks like william baldwin if william you... baldwin's more attractive than well Timotei. he still has that little face uh, and then Kiefer looks so doofy especially when he so when he dies the first time and then they resuscitate him. They're always like cold. And then they're like shuffling him to another structure. Mm -hmm. And he's wrapped in a blanket. And he's walking with this dumb look on his face. Yeah. Keeper's exceptionally bad in this. Uh, and he worked with Schumacher several times. Um, the Lost Boys was directed by Schumacher prior to this. And he also did Phone Booth. Um, the atmosphere is so weird. The set design is so interesting. But like it's distracting. It's funny that you actually chose this because it was, the cinematographer was Jan DeBont who directed Twister and Speed and Speed 2, oh. which were all selections by you. <laughs> oh my God, I have a history. You like Jan DeBont? Um, the, the Luke, the Baba Luke of his But films. I didn't like any of the films you mentioned. No, they're not good. Uh, but he was a very talented well, cinematographer. Well, at least I'm seeing my energy. I, I vibe on a consistent level. Mm -hmm. of bullshit. Sure. Um, um, Kevin Bacon's hair, what did I, it, it's very He-Man. Well, it's always looks like blown back. Like through all this, you have time to put hairspray in here. And a little bit like straw. Yeah, uh, it's not the it's best. It's funny to think this is the same year as Pretty Woman and Tremors. There's a, the time period of when the story happens coincides with Halloween. Mm -hmm. And there's like Halloween events happening that I thought looked like the purge. Yeah. I'm just so confused with the atmosphere. Um, the, there is a scene... <laughs> I don't know. None of it I thought was effective, except maybe the scene where Kevin Bacon's being like followed by the little black girl and she's calling him names. Mm -hmm. And he, I kind of felt like we can save it to the end of what I thought it should have been. Um, then 
Kiefer is like the leader of this group, but he's a dick to all of them. Mm-hmm. And then he comes up missing after the other four have figured out how to like atone. Mm-hmm. So everyone else is fine. And then they go looking for Kiefer. When I tell you that was that would be the last person I would look for. We got to find Billy Mahoney. Oh my god, I would have left his ass there. <laughs> um, we were, we were. Something that made me laugh a lot is one of the like uh, side characters in the movie uh, is named Gonzo Gonzalez. Yeah, <laughs> that was worth a good laugh. Okay, what I thought this movie should have been is we focus on one person. So like one doctor who's maybe older and maybe he's like an attending doctor who sees residents like like he's their staff. Mm-hmm. And he we are presented to him like he's presented to the audience like, a, like an upstanding guy, really good guy, like loving family with kids and mm-hmm. everyone likes him. And he convinces these residents to help him flatline. But kind of tricks them. And in doing so, we start, like, things get revealed. Like, all the bad shit he did in his past, and he has to reconcile it. It it really should have focused on this one person. Which, that plot sounds very Stephon King. I don't know. I just think that making it the four people, and... Oh, and then they do this thing where each time the four of them go under, like... when they flatline. I think that's one of the major weaknesses is the visualization, yeah. which is probably in the script too, of like their spirits floating over mountaintops and through forests and over Glen and Dale. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I think it should have been more of like, and it does do this to a degree of like reality and the past are sort of melded together mm-hmm. and we don't know what's real. And as the audience, we maybe we don't find out until the end, which you know, it would require some pretty good writing, but this which, was not it. Which does not have, but you know, yeah. I, I much prefer something like Adrian Lyons' Jacob's Ladder, which I did think of oh, a couple times. Yes. Which also was 1990. Because this doesn't even have, you know, Jacob's Ladder is creepy because it also has like this sort of like psychedelic vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And I, this movie, the mood is just not there. It feels like. I mean, you could have told me this was like a vampire movie, like, like Blade or something, mm-hmm. the way it looks. So it takes away from Julia Roberts' character. That's the other thing. Her character, coincidentally, because none of these people are really friends beyond they're in school together, it, it, it would seem, except that Julia and Kevin Bacon have a thing. Well, and all of them want to sleep with her. And all of them want to sleep with her. But she, coincidentally, her character is obsessed with the death. Uh, yeah. So then it's just like, well, that's corny. Yeah, it's and very... then the scene where they all show up to help Kiefer the first time is a joke. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the risk is if they get caught, they could get kicked out of school. Right. Well, and her response to Kevin Bacon is it's like, I want to do it because people close to me have died. And it's like, oh, that's the best excuse I've heard yet. Really? Ugh. Oh, God. When they're like being bitchy with the, the waitress in that diner that they're sitting in. And the, he's like, I died last night. And she's like, that doesn't, she's like, Elvis was here last night or something. Yeah. It, I think also Kiefer's character does try to explain because of course, Kevin Bacon's the most reasonable one. Mm-hmm. And he's like, cause he's the atheist. Yeah. He's like, how do you know that this just isn't your brain? Like some chemical response to dying to sort of ease the pain of, mm-hmm. you know, memories, whatever. And then that's when they explain like, well, there's no brain chemistry. Like, like we're doing EEGs and we see nothing's there, but we're still like conscious of something. Mm -hmm. So that's proof. So they do go, 
they do try to explain to some degree how this could make sense, like how these medical doctors could somehow think that mm -hmm. they're going to find heaven or hell. But it's not sophisticated enough to be satisfying. Mm -mm. They just seem sort of like, this just seems so pointless. It seems pointless. Well, you know, also like getting older, I've met a lot of doctors who aren't the most brilliant in any other regard. Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> the other thing too is like they want to prove that they saw something after they died. But, but why? But well, but not only why, but also like there are a lot of people who say they saw something mm -hmm. after they died. There are a lot of people who have flatlined and been resuscitated and say they saw something. So I guess I'm confused why these fools think that them doing it is somehow different. Like I needed that to be better explained. Like what value will your voice have except that you're... Well, there's also, you know, essentially there's no way to prove anything because each person only has their own personal experience to go on. Right, no, right. Because even the, uh, the you know, Kevin Bacon who has doubt... Uh, and is one over when he actually does it. That is how everybody at large would right. be about. There's no Nobel Prize to be won for whatever experiment Kiefer Sutherland's character is cooked up because everybody would have to do it for themselves because everybody's journey, like in life, would be personable, you know, calibrated to their own experiences. Right. So I think the fascination with dying and seeing what could be beyond, that is all we needed. We didn't need the extra, like, because then they have this thing about like we're going to be famous because we're going to be on talk shows telling everyone. It's like there are countless people who have the same story that you're trying to tell. There, there, again, I think there's an interesting concept and a, a, maybe a decent horror story that can come out, come out of this. And I don't know, maybe the screenwriter needed to read uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's On Death and Dying and have co incorporated that in there. It's just real basic. I, I am now kind of curious about the... Um, the the remake that flopped hard because I remember they I remember requesting to review it and they wouldn't have press screenings which is why and I never bothered to see it um, I did make you a card though using that poster once oh well on Rotten Tomatoes it has a four percent I I yeah hmm. again maybe it's just you know, when you remake, remake something that also wasn't really good in the first place, you kind of have to make drastic changes. Well, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone called the film even more witless and stupefyingly dull than the original. Okay. <laughs> well, I know the remake's PG-13. Oh, Which gosh. is also... <laughs> Reason right there. Okay. So, what are we doing this week? We this... might see Terrifier 2 today. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And then what are we going to next week? Uh, or this coming week? My policeman. I'm trying to convince Joseph to see the Banshees of Inisherin because if he doesn't see it tomorrow, I doubt we'll have a review for it. Um, and it's something I know you would like. And then there's... Where is it showing? Uh, I think at Disney. Oh, in Burbank? Burbank, yeah. Ugh. I think. I'd have to double check that. And then, uh, oh, Halloween Ends, of course, is this week. Oh. Our review from Till will drop, but I'm telling you that's not a fun review because it's not a fun watch. <laughs> oh, and also the movie Some Like It Rare. Some Like It Rare. Uh, the Stars at Noon opens next week, and I chose to... There was a final screening of that from Claire Denis on Wednesday, but we're seeing Halloween Ends instead. I reviewed that out at Ion Cinema, but... But I, I loved that film. A lot of people didn't. But I'm sad that we likely won't get to that. Oh. Do you have a quote for us? Um, I had a quote in honor of Sigourney Weaver from her. Um, Don't depend on other people's encouragement. It's never enough and never when you need it. Oh, well, there you go. Anything else? No. Bye.